So we've been in a series, I believe this is week seven for us now, that we've been going through this series called Questions for God. And each week we're answering different questions that many of you have written in. So if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to the full breadth of this series, or if you missed a particular Sunday, I encourage you to go onto our podcast where all of our messages are held, and just pick a week that answers a question that you might be asking. Uh, this week, we're going to be answering, hopefully, a question that was asked to me for this series, and it is the question of how do I hear God's voice? How do I hear God's voice? A question that I'm sure most of you uh, already have answered, right? (laughs) Of course not. I think this is a question all of us ask. Could everybody hear me okay with the mic? Okay, okay. Not through that speaker? All right, I'll stay over here until that gets worked out. All right, so we're going to be asking that question today and hopefully answering it together. So we're going to be jumping around Scripture a little bit differently today. Normally I do what's called an expository message where we pull apart a single passage of Scripture. But today to answer this question, I want us to look at multiple verses in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles with you today, be prepared to jump around a little bit. Uh, But before we jump into the heart of today's message, would you join me once more in a time of prayer. So I'd like to invite you to just bow your heads and close your eyes with me once more. Father, we go to you right now. We come to you right now in prayer. We ask, Lord, that as we think of this question, how do I hear God's voice? That we would hear your voice today, Lord. That if there is a prayer that has been lingering in our hearts or in our minds, a question that we've been wrestling with within our faith or in our lives. I ask, Lord, that you would speak to that today, that you would give whomever's in this room or whomever's listening to this message an answer to their prayers, Lord. Lord, I believe that you are always speaking to us, but it's a matter at times of whether we're listening and whether we're obedient to what you've spoken in our lives. So I just pray that you would bless this time, Lord, and as I've prayed many times up on this stage, that I think fits now more than ever, will you give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things that you are saying and the things that you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So a guy goes ice fishing for the first time, and he's all excited about it, so he goes and he goes to his local store and buys all this gear and heads out onto the ice and begins to fish, when all of a sudden he hears a booming voice above him that says, there are no fish there. So not allowing this to discourage him, he picks up his gear, goes to a different spot, and once again a voice thunders through and says, there are no fish there. To which the man replies back, God, is that you? No, it's the ice rink manager. (laughs) 
You know, we all joke around, right, about wanting to hear God's voice. And I think at the end of the day, each of us yearns for God to speak to us, right? As I was praying in my prayer and really trying to capture what I believe is the heart of many of us in this room, is that we all have had moments in our lives where deep down inside we, got, we desire for God to speak, there are many moments in life where we don't always feel like he's listening or we don't always feel like he is answering us. You see, I remember where the first time I became a Christian, I became a Christian at the age of 15. That's, that's really the moment in my life where I, I consider my faith my own, that my faith was not just my parents' faith, but it became my faith. And I remember wanting to, for the first time, to really hear from God, because you see, up until that point in my life, I really did what I wanted to do, or at least what my parents told me to do, or somebody in authority in order to get that right. And for the first time in my life as a 15-year-old, I was finally saying to myself, okay, God, I've listened to the world, I've listened to myself, I listened to my parents, but what do you really want me to do? So I remember in that time kind of just going overboard and praying about everything. I mean, praying about when I was going to go to bed, how I was going to brush my teeth. Would I go full uh, blown circles or go little circles? I mean, I was praying about everything. Because I wanted God to speak into my life. But I think for many of us, at the very least, if you're not a nutso like me in that situation, then what you probably pray for are the big things in life, right? There's probably all of us in this room at some point in of our lives have prayed for something like, God, what school do you want me to attend? God, what relationship do you want me to uh, to, to seek out. Lord, should I marry this person? Lord, what job should I take? God, is this the right job for me? Lord, is this the right home? God, why are homes so expensive in Colorado? Questions, right? I know I was praying that prayer for two years before finding my home, and I'm still saying, God, why is my mortgage so big? <laughs> Medical decisions. God, should I do this surgery? Should I go under this advisement from this doctor? Should I move to this new location? See, I think we understand as people that those events in life play a big part in our lives. Why? Because it really, any one of those prayers really changes the trajectory of our whole entire lives. I mean, just think about marriage alone or, or moving to a place alone. That radically changes the trajectory of your life. So it's natural, I think, in situations like that to ask the Lord and to seek his wisdom and to hopefully pray a prayer like that that you would hope to get answered. And I think for many of us in this room, or at least for some in this room, we've prayed prayers like that, and God has spoken. And if you're married don't tell your spouse that he was silent about you. It's too late. <laughs> but we've probably, for some of us, we've probably prayed prayers like that, and God has spoken to us. But for others in this room, there's probably some of us in this room as well that can think of a prayer or a time in our lives where we felt like God was silent. 
And for others in this room, maybe we don't even know that we could ask. Well, today I hope that we could take some time to really ask this question of how do I hear God's voice, because I think it's a really important question to ask. But I think one of the first things that we need to be able to ask is if we're going to ask the question, how do I hear God's voice, then I think we also need to ask the question, does God speak, right? Does God speak? So I took some time this week and just looked through different verses of Scripture, and I found hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses, if not thousands of verses through the pages of Scripture, of God speaking to people. And what's beautiful is, is that really our first interaction right in Genesis 1, what do we see? God speaking. What is he doing? He's speaking the universe into existence. He's speaking the world that we live in into existence. He's speaking all these beautiful things that we get to enjoy in his creation into existence. And then from there, what does he do? He creates Adam and Eve, and he speaks to them into the garden. And then after that, who does he speak to? He speaks to the many descendants of his children, including Noah, who he, who he urges to make an ark, and then Abraham and Moses and so many people, the judges throughout scripture and the prophets of God. God is speaking. And then if that wasn't great enough, he speaks to the person of Jesus and then through the person of Jesus and his disciples. From beginning to end in scripture, God is speaking. God is speaking. And there's some that would have us believe that that time of God speaking has come and has gone. And that the only way that we can hear God's voice is through his word. And I'm not going to disagree with that, that we hear God's voice through his word. But I tend to believe that God is also speaking in very many other ways. So when we look at scriptures that talk about God speaking, scriptures invite us to seek out God's voice. It's why during our scripture reading time today at John 10, 27, Jesus is literally telling those that are listening, my sheep do what? Listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. God's people are waiting to hear from the Lord. They're waiting to listen to God's voice. And when we hear from God, it changes our lives for the better. So what are the ways, though, that we hear and see God speak? I took some more time to look through Scripture and identify the different ways that God speaks, and I want to put them up on the screen here for you. And there's Bible verses, if you want to talk to me after service, I can give you the scripture verses that accompany many of these. But God speaks to, to people through visions. God speaks to people through dreams. God speaks to people, at least within scripture, through angels, right? Think about who were the first people that announced that Jesus had risen. 
One of the angels at the tomb, right? Telling the women that he's not here. God speaks to people through a voice. And a voice is not always audible, but sometimes it is, right? We remember who hearing God's voice. Many of the prophets of God and Moses and others hearing the audible voice of God. But we also see in scripture that God speaks sometimes in that still small voice within our hearts, which I think is something that I want to take mention of right here. If you didn't know this, the word heart in Hebrew is the word lev. Lev is the word heart in Hebrew. And what's really unique about that word that's very unlike anything within our own English language is you see most of the world, including all the way up into modern days, they separate these two things. What am I pointing at here? The heart and the head. But you see, the Hebrews, even though they understood that the heart was a physical organ, when they used the word lev, they didn't have a word for the mind in the way that we think of today within the Western world of a brain and in a separation between those two things. But rather, the Hebrews, when they said your heart, they were thinking both of mind and emotion. And this makes so much sense because when it talks in the Old Testament specifically, when God is going to bring in us a new heart, what is, what is he really saying there? That he's going to give us a new transformed mind and emotions. Mind and emotions. So God speaks to our heart, right? He speaks to our mind and our emotions. And God also speaks through opening some doors. And what's even harder at times is closing a door. Did you ever think about that? That maybe God is speaking to you through a closed door? That could be especially hard, right? If you feel like that door is slamming shut on you. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's something else that you think is going to work out. I remember when I was looking for a home, there was a few, we put in, I think, over 12 offers, looked at over 25 homes, and, and we thought at certain moments of our lives that this was it, this was it. Oh my goodness, yes, this is it. And then what would happen? A door would close, and then as hard as it would be to admit, we'd have to say to ourselves, all right, the Lord's speaking in this, because if he wanted us to have it, if he wanted us to go through with this, then he would have kept that door open, but that door is now closed. Are there moments like that in your life? Have you ever thought that that might be God trying to speak to you? Another way that God speaks is through people. What I'm doing right now is hopefully the Lord ministering to you. Now, don't get me wrong that every single word that I say is God speaking. That would be a very, very bad thing. But God does speak through people. I mean, I know in my life, there are moments where someone has said something, texted me something, told me something over the phone, and I just say to myself, oh my goodness, I needed to hear that today. Has that ever happened to you where somebody says something to you? Maybe they write you a message on your phone or on your, on your social media account and they just say something and, you're, and you say to yourself, wow, I needed to hear that today. Maybe that's the Lord speaking to you through a person. 
The beautiful thing about all of these examples here is that God speaks in many ways. God speaks in many ways. The question really is, are we listening? Are we listening to God? You know, I kind of wonder, I've noticed, at least within my own life, and as I've pastored other people's lives, is that sometimes God will use one of these methods as a primary way to speak to you. Does God use one of these methods that you feel like is a primary way that you hear from God? I know for my, sins, my sister, for instance, she always has the wildest dreams. And I'm not always certain if it's a bad bean burrito or if it's, the, uh, if it's God speaking to her. But I tend to think with some of the dreams that she has had that they come from the Lord because they reveal things that just make me go, I think you need to pray about that one because I think God's trying to tell you something. Have you ever felt like there is a certain method on there that God speaks? And then, of course, God speaks through his word. I feel like, for me, that is one of the primary ways that I hear God's voice is when I read these scriptures and hear God speaking to me. But the beautiful thing is, is that God is speaking that God is speaking. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that continuously because it's so easy, especially within the world that we have inherited, to feel like God is not speaking anymore. But then I need to ask the question, are we taking the time to listen? Are you taking the time to listen? So when I was doing my research for this sermon this week, I was reading commentaries and really scrolling the internet and trying to read as much as I could on hearing from God, that I decided to look through my own library. And, you know, we're asking the question, how do we hear God's voice? And I literally see this book, and it's like beaming at me. If you can't, if you don't have, if your eyes can't pick this up, it says, how to listen to God. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I should probably read this book. If the question is, is how do I hear God's voice, I should probably re- read the book that says, How to Listen to God. So I can't even remember how I got this book. I think my father-in-law gave it to me. And um, so I just cracked it open and began rereading this book and was happy to see that on page two there was evidence of me reading this book before. Although there's only three words that were underlined in it. And that, those three words were to answer this question. How do we listen to God? How do we hear God's voice? By being quiet, by being patient, by being attentive. By being quiet, by being patient, by being attentive. I mean, if you think about it, that's what we need to listen, right? If I'm having a conversation with you, hopefully a true conversation with you, where it's not just one person talking, what do you need to be doing? In order to listen, wouldn't you say that you need to at least do those three things? If I'm trying to talk to Ruth, and Ruth is talking back to me at the same time, is she being quiet, or am I being quiet, patient, and attentive? If the answer is no, then could you really say that I'm a good listener? That's why I think scripture, 
It urges us to be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, not just so that we don't get angry, but so that we understand what listening looks like. So the question that I have for you is, are you making time in your life to be quiet, patient, and attentive with the Lord? Or does your life look a little different? Where maybe you do all the talking, but you don't, rarely do the listening. You know, believe it or not, we have become so used to things like cell phones and television and programming that we fail to realize just how much we've insulated our lives with noise. I remember years ago, I was in seminary and for a program in seminary, I decided that I was going to remove media from my life for 10 days. And I was going to live like some of you olden folks. Could you imagine that I, I was actually successfully able to make this a part of a paper? <laughs> I, I think my grandpa probably would have said, uh, that's just how I lived for most of my life. <laughs> Glad you can get a school assignment for it. <laughs> So I did this, though. I took media out of my life. I I turned off the TV. I turned off the cell phone. I turned off the laptop. I only allowed my use of my laptop if I was physically writing a paper or physically writing an email, and I turned off everything. I, I kept my, listen to this, I kept my car radio quiet. I, 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 it was crazy just how weird that felt. I mean, so many of us, whether we realize it or not, even when we're cleaning our house, right, what do we do? We turn on the TV and just allow that to be white noise in the background, or when we're driving somewhere, what do we do? We put on the radio, and look, I'm not saying that some of that stuff is wrong, but what I am saying is, is that we've insulated ourselves with so much noise. How could God, how could we hear God if we're listening to everything else? If you want to hear God, you need to make time every day out of your life, moment to moment in some senses, to do what? to be quiet, to be patient, and to be attentive. Once more, when I continue to read this book, you know, this book isn't really popular. It's not from a big-time publisher. Uh, the person that wrote it doesn't really have a huge amount of credentials. It's, it's one of those books that could easily go missed. But in it is letters and letters from, uh, from tens of different people who wrote in powerful stories. So I, I was just so surprised by the quality of content from this book. But one of the first letters that's written in about listening to God comes from Elizabeth Sherrill. Just curious, anybody know who Elizabeth Sherrill is? Okay, so some of you do. If you didn't know who Elizabeth Sherrill was, she's, she's helped written many books, but probably the three famous books that she contributed to with her husband were uh, The Cross and the Switchblade. That probably maybe rings a bell for you. That's the, that's the beautiful, powerful story of David Wilkerson who ministered to 
a gang member within New York and helped bring him to the Lord, Nikki Cruz. She also helped write this other book with Corey Ten Boone, and that's probably the one that most people know, called The Hiding Place, the story of this Dutch watchmaker who really lived an uneventful 50 years of her life until the Nazis came in, and then her and others started an underground network to smuggle Jewish people out of the country into safety. And she also helped write another book called God's Smugglers with the Dutch farmer who decided to become a spy, but not a spy for Russia or a spy for another country, but a spy for the Lord. And what did he do in his life? He smuggled Bibles into the Iron Curtain of Russia. And um, so anyways, very, very powerful stories. Well, her and her family served as missionaries for a number of years. And what was interesting was her perception when she came back from Africa into New York. And I want to read this to you because I think it's very powerful and it explains a lot of why I don't think we always hear from God today. She writes, In Africa, we learn to bring God into our uncertainties. And as we were uncertain about so much, our dialogue with him became continuous. When we returned to our New York City suburb, those nudges to prayer came less often. We were back in the world of refrigeration, and Chris, you can put it on the screen, and pasteurized milk. Guidance came in the ordinary form of street signs and weather forecast. And if you missed it, it's on the screen there for you. And what is Elizabeth Sherrill really saying there? She's saying that so often her spiritual prayer life, her ability to listen to the Lord is what? It's, it's dependent upon her dependence upon the Lord. You know, if you think about it, we live in such an unprecedented time in history. Yes, we're still undergoing many problems, many, many problems. But if you think about it, we as a people are still so blessed to live in a land where we could pursue opportunities, where we can have shelter, where so many people can be able to to, to have their needs met. And really, I understand that not everybody maybe feels like their needs are being perfectly met. But when you compare ourselves to the history of the world, we are incredibly blessed to be living in this time. But I think part of the double-edged side of that sword is that many of us, because we are so independent, we've lost our dependency on whom? On God. We've lost our dependency on God. And I think that changes things for us. I think that if we think about that, it it radically changes who we are when we're comfortable. Here's a truth for you. The risk of increased comfort is decreased dependency on God. I'll put that on the screen. The risk of increased comfort is decreased dependency of God. You see, when we are 
more comfortable when we have everything going right in our lives? Why would we need God? And I think whether we're honest with ourselves or not, that just might be also one of the reasons why we don't hear God much in our lives. Because really, whether we realize it or not, we're not very dependent upon Him. I mean, I get it, right? We all do the same thing. We all, when, when, when matters are going rough in our lives, when situations are bad, we all do the same thing, right? We go to God. We all do it. And as much as I hate to admit this, but it's still true, some of the most precious times in my life, some of the times where I have felt closest to God were also some of the worst times of my life. Has that ever been your story? And I know that the only reason why I could say that is because those are the times where I can't help but go to the Lord continuously. And each time I go through one of those hard time, hardships in life where it causes me to dig into the Lord, I always leave it saying to myself, that's not the quote that I want you to put up there. Um, I always leave it saying to myself, God, I am sorry that it takes this tragedy to get closer to you. But oftentimes, it takes a situation like that for it to happen. I remember uh, just a few years ago in 2019 before I came and moved back out to Denver here to help pastor at this church. Within a two-month period, I found out both of my parents got diagnosed with cancers. I mean, within two months. And I remember thinking to myself, why, Lord? But all of us, my sister, my mom, my dad, as hard as that was to go through, and I praise the Lord for, for, for healing them, it was so difficult. But yet, it caused all of us in the family to get closer to each other and to get closer to God. I kind of wonder what life would look like if we didn't always allow a tragedy to shape our dependency on God. You know, Billy Graham reminds us of this words, and he says, it often takes a, a tragedy to open our hearts, minds, and wills to the truth of God's word. But what would it look like if we as people led a devotional life completely to the Lord? That, it wouldn't need, that we wouldn't need a tragedy to try to seek God and hear his voice. You know, whether you realize it or not, one of the lines that I love that comes from the Gospel of Luke is Luke 5.16, and it says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and, play, and, and prayed. And then in the ESV version, which is on the screen, it says he withdrew to desolate places and prayed. 
Now that word there, desolate, is the Greek word eroemos. And what that word really means is lonely, wasteful, desert, desolate, solitary, wilderness places. And what I think that, that the gospel author of Luke is trying to communicate to us is, is that Jesus didn't just take time and go off to barren lands. And that's not the point. The point is, is that Jesus went to places that were called desolate, that were called lonely. Why? Because most people wouldn't go there. So what is Luke trying to let us know is that Jesus took time to get away, even within his world. He took time to put his cell phone down. <laughs> he took time to hop off a camel. He took time to get away from the crowds and do what? Go and be with his father, alone, quiet, in attention, in patience with the father. And he did this at so many distinct moments of his ministry. He did it before he would prepare for a major task. He did it to recharge. He did it to work through grief. He did it before making an important decision in his life. He did it during times of distress. And he did it just to focus on prayer. There are so many times that Jesus goes away. And what's amazing about that is, I mean, think about the person of Jesus, just as we talked about last week. He was perfect, right? God's voice was heard from heaven talking about the person of Jesus. And what did God say? This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So even in Jesus's perfection, he needed to do what? Make time out of his day to get alone with his father. So maybe part of living a good spiritual life means we need to take time daily to do what? Get alone with our father. It doesn't just need to happen when we're in the midst of tragedy or when we're feeling the guilt of our mistakes but rather, if we want to hear from God, it's a daily conversation with him. It's a daily connection with God, the Father. You know, one of the men that I love from, from history, recent history specifically, is uh, a man named Brother Lawrence. You may have heard his book, Practicing His Presence. Brother Lawrence was... A rather ordinary man. He was a monk, and uh, he his job was to cook in a kitchen. But yet, what made him so famous was not how great his food was, but rather it was his ability to connect and hear God well. In Brother Lawrence, he writes these words: "I have abandoned all particular forms of devotion." All prayer techniques. Now that sounds weird, right? Coming from someone that had a deep prayer life, why would he abandon all prayer techniques? But and then he writes this, my only prayer practice is attention. I carry on a habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God that fills me with overwhelming joy. 
that fills me with overwhelming joy. He even writes, It is not necessary to have great things to do. I turn my little omelet in the pan for the love of God. (laughs) And I mention this because I think many of us think, or at least maybe you thought, that today I would give you some jazzy secret technique, you know, that I unearthed while I was in the far east in a mountain as I met a man up there who handed me a scroll that said, this is how you hear God perfectly. Well, I don't have that for you. And in fact, I think, if anything, we overcomplicate hearing from God. It's just as simple as getting quiet, giving God our attention, and being patient as we try to listen which really is our big idea for today. To hear God, we need to to do, to hear God, we hear God by being patient, or by being quiet, by being patient, and by being attentive. We hear God by being quiet, by being patient, and by being attentive. That's how we hear the Lord. There is no special formula, but there is an abandonment, if you will, of getting rid of some of the noise, of taking time like Jesus did to go to places where it could be quiet. If you have crazy little kids running around like I do, then maybe that just means when they go to sleep or before they wake up that you take time to be with the Lord. I mean, the other day, I was losing it in the house. Everything, I mean, the dogs were going nuts, the chickens were going nuts, the kids were going nuts, everybody was going nuts. And I literally told my wife, I said, honey, I need a minute. And I went and locked myself in the closet, and I prayed. I don't know if I came out of the closet. I did come out of the closet a little better, but it was rough. It's what I had to do. And I literally just, I, I looked ridiculous as I walked in the closet and closed the door behind me. But I just needed to get away and be quiet with my God. So if you want to hear God's voice, all you have to do is practice his presence by getting quiet, by being patient, by being attentive to our Lord. I guarantee you that if you try those things, that that's what God meant when he said that those who seek me, will find me when they what? When they seek me with all their heart. That's what that looks like. Turning off the noise, taking time, and communing and fellowshipping with your God. I challenge you this week to do that. You know, in a few weeks from now, during Labor Day weekend, many of us, as you heard, will be up in a beautiful retreat spot will be in the defini- definition of a, a wilderness place. And I encourage you, especially that if you're on that retreat, to take a moment to get away and to fellowship with God. But from now into that moment, I want to challenge you this entire week, even if it's five minutes or ten minutes, that before you start your day, that you would give God the first fruits of your time 
and you'd give him five minutes to just be alone with him and to begin your day with fellowship with the Lord. Could you do that? Take time to do that this week. And if something different happens for you, I I, I hope that you share that with me or somebody else. Because I believe that God will speak to those that care to listen. So let's take some time this week to listen to our Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you're still speaking to us. We thank you that through the pages of Scripture, from the moment of creation till the end of this age, you're speaking. Lord, I know that there may be many of us in this room that has something that they've been desiring for you to speak to. I pray, Father, that they would hear this message well, that all they need to do to hear from you is to be quiet, be patient, and be attentive to who you are. That that means at times turning off what's around them, going off to a place that is quiet where they could be alone with you and taking time to listen to your voice. Father, I pray that you would encourage them in their faith to do that. And Lord, I'm believing that this week, for those that choose to do that and commit themselves to that, that they will be better for it. I know they will, Lord. And I know that you're going to speak to some people this week. I know, God, that you will do that. Because I know deep down inside, Lord, in my bones, that you're always speaking to us. Just a matter of whether we're listening or not. Help us to listen, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.